Welcome to Let's Talk Sales. This is the podcast for anyone interested in growing sales. Today's episode of Let's Talk Sales is brought to you by our latest ebook, Being a Grateful Leader. In it, you'll learn about the personal, professional, and medical benefits of gratitude, how to express real gratitude, how to develop a practice of gratitude for yourself, and more. You can go ahead and grab a copy. You'll find it in today's show notes at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod203. This is Elizabeth Frederick, and today I'm speaking to a senior VP at the International Institute for Learning, a global leader in training, consulting, coaching, and more for businesses all over the world. She has been senior VP there for 28 years. She has been um, a very well-known author, speaker, and trainer. And her latest book is called Grateful Leadership, Using the Power of Acknowledgement to Engage All Your People and Achieve Superior Results. Today's guest is Judith W. Amwas. We are so glad to have you and welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. And I'm really delighted to be here. It sounds like it's going to be a great show. Absolutely. So thank you for joining me, Judy. And um, I just shared the very top level highlights of your bio, but could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Maybe talk a little bit about the journey to get you where you are now and some of the key, um, the key things you might have observed along the way. Well, I have to say it's been quite a journey and, and it really started uh, back in the 1980s, would you believe? And uh, <laughs> it, it started when I was working for a major television network and I became a uh, pregnant businesswoman, which was a little bit rare in those days, if you can believe that. And I decided I was going to work till my due date. Well, at around month six, people started to make the most absurd and obnoxious comments to me people Mm -hmm. that I respected who respected me or had previously felt free to pat my tummy and do whatever they felt was you know interesting to them at the time and I just lost it one day and I when I really lose it I have to write. That's my therapy. (laughs) That's a very healthy response. (laughs) Yes. I guess it's better than a lot of other things. So I I was able to get myself to the roof of our building, and it was a beautiful day, and I just sat out there, and I wrote, and I wrote, and I wrote, and it turned out to be an article called How Not to Talk to a Pregnant Businesswoman. (laughs) And uh, little did I know about the future of that article because I had never had an article officially published in a major publication and uh, Working Woman magazine which was pretty uh, huge at the time and well respected uh, adopted the article and paid real money for it which was very exciting to me and then suddenly I was the spokesperson for communication with a pregnant businesswoman they got me on Good Morning America I was in uh, all kinds of uh, newspaper publications and other magazines and I saw that my rules of communication I gave 10 rules and they made a difference to people I had 
so many women coming up to me or sending me notes saying I made a copy because we didn't have uh, email in those days believe it or not <laughs> and uh, I made a copy I put it in front of all my colleagues and they now treat me so differently thank you thank you thank you so I filed that away for future reference I didn't know I was doing it at the time but I saw that my written words had a profound effect on a condition that was really uh, not just mine, but it applied to all women who were going, many women, let's say, who were going through this. So later, I will, soon after my career at CBS, I will say that's what the uh, television network was, I went to work for International Institute for Learning, and um, I became, as he said, a senior vice president. But along the way, I was horrified by another condition. And this one was much more rampant than the pregnant businesswoman syndrome. And that was lack of appreciation for people in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And I was truly horrified at the results of my very, I'm a very, uh, natural kind of praise giver. It just comes when I see it, I have to say it, you know, in a good way. And uh, when I started noticing people's uh, the effect of that on people, it was shocking to me because so many people said, I never hear compliments, I only hear complaints. Thank you for thanking me. And I really had done more than thank them, but they didn't really, you know, couldn't even recognize it. And sometimes, like in, you know, out in the service sector, you know, when you go to a, a co coffee shop and uh, after three days, a new lady uh, on duty knows your crazy long coffee order small black half decaf half regular caramel coffee please forgive me for my pickiness but that's what I always ordered <laughs> after taking my order for three days I walked in and she's you know she's a long line ahead of me and then when I got there she's holding a cup and she said here I said what's that and she said oh that's your uh, small black half decaf half regular caramel coffee and I my jaw dropped. I said, you are a genius. Your customer service is magnificent. How did you ever remember that? And she was speechless, literally speechless. She could not say a word to me for, you know, at least 30 seconds. And then finally she said, this has never happened to me before. No one has ever appreciated what I did in this job. And I've been this is a new location for me, but I've been doing this job for many years. And that was the straw that broke this camel's back. I went to my CEO, Ela Verne Johnson, and I said to her, I have a book that has to be written. And we had a small publishing division. So, uh, and I, I knew the publisher intimately because that was me. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just going to her like in an oh by the way way and uh, I said there's a book I must write and she said what is it and I said I think it's called The Power of Acknowledgement and she looked at me for it must have been three seconds and she said do it 
will support it. And I have to say, IIL has supported this work in gratitude and appreciation, the soft skills that, you know, I mean, it's not our standard. We do project management, portfolio uh, management, we do Six Sigma, we do quality, you know, we do all the hard skills being coming certified mm-hmm. to be a project management professional. These are things we do as our mainstay, but the company has always supported the growth of this product. And I am so grateful to the company and to Laverne Johnson herself. So that's the journey. The first book uh, was published. They had to pull it away from me because I kept changing it. They literally had to take it out of my hands and get it printed. And then uh, like it seemed to me like minutes after the book was published, I was on the road training leaders. It's like, what? I never did this in my life. (laughs) My first gig was in Trinidad, where if I failed, you know, people would still smile at me. But but it was um, an immense success. Although, you know, I, I did have one incident in that first class where I panicked. I totally panicked because in one of my exercises, which is called the knock your socks off power of acknowledgement exercise, where you have to acknowledge someone that you didn't properly acknowledge in your past and anywhere in your career, I see people sobbing, like at least three or four people were sobbing. And uh, I I, I was so scared. I went to the organizer. I said, I I, I think I got to close the class. He said, no, Judy, you have no idea. This is fantastic. This is a success. (laughs) (laughs) One of those kind of traumatizing successes. (laughs) Yes. You asked about the journey. I, I know I gave you a lot of information, but it's just been one glorious event after another, you know, wherever I go. And I could tell you so many stories about the shocking, incredible realizations I've had from this training, which actually led to my writing two other books. Uh, One was the Grateful Leadership book you mentioned, and that's got Mm -hmm. a lot of the stories that leaders shared with me in my classes or in webinars, wherever I did them. But they also asked me, how do we let our kids know about this now so that when they grow up, they are grateful leaders? They're not like we, mm-hmm. we have to learn how to be grateful leaders. So I wrote a, another book for children called You're Totally Awesome, The Power of Acknowledgement for Kids. And uh, that, that is uh, really an adorable book, I have to say. <laughs> It sounds like it. That's a really great one to check out. I have lots of nieces and nephews. Oh, so thank you. Um, thank you. I, I'll have to I'll have to explore that. Now I'm interested because you said you've you obviously you kind of got pulled into training yes. because you had rolled out this concept within your your company. Yeah. And I would imagine that over time you've learned a lot of lessons or um, or maybe you've changed some perspectives or maybe some things have kind of gotten firmer actually in your mind. So how has your your thought on the idea of the power of acknowledgement, um, how has that been impacted through those experiences that you've had? Well, I'm thinking of one of the most dramatic experiences I have had in my entire training con- 
career. And I, I've got, you know, a handful of the most powerful. They're all powerful because everybody is different in my classes and training sessions and keynote addresses. And I always have a very interactive session, no matter where I am, what I insist on it. So I co-create each class with the participants, and that's what makes it mm -hmm. amazing. But there was one uh, circumstance that uh, took place about five years ago, and uh, that was when I got a call from the CEO of my company, uh, Laverne Johnson, and she said, Judy, what are you doing this weekend? And I said, oh, because it's an unusual question for her to ask. And I said, well, it's my birthday, and I'm going to go to theater with friends, and it's going to be a lovely weekend. She said, well, I have something better for you. I said, you do? She said, yes, you're going to Finland. <laughs> I said, what? And she said, yes, uh, Dr. Harold Kersner, who is, I will tell you, Elizabeth, he is the god and guru of project management. Somebody called him the Dalai Lama of project management. He has written well over 60 books, and he's an amazing speaker. People adore him. She said, Unfortunately, he had a death in his family, and he simply cannot go. And so you're going to be his replacement. I said, no pressure. I said, I'm, I am not going. She said, you are going. And we went back and forth about seven times, and finally I realized I was going. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Those are big shoes to fill. Oh, so I, I really was a nervous wreck going there. And I got to the conference really as it was just starting to open. So I went there and, uh, you know, people saw my name tag and they said, uh, oh, wh wh what are you here for? Figuring I was an audience member. I said, um, well, um, <laughs> I don't usually in stammer, but I said, uh, uh, I, I'm replacing Dr. Harold Kersner, and, and you should have seen their faces. Oh, my God. I said, you know, he had a family emergency. He could not be here. We're so sorry. But I have stepped in, and I will do uh, a very, very engaging talk, I promise. And they said, what's it about? And I said, <laughs> it's about leadership and the power of acknowledgement. And person after person after person they said the exact same things it was really almost scary they said uh why don't you take a tour of helsinki and then just go home and we won't have a replacement for dr curse oh my goodness go home because acknowledgement does not exist in the finnish culture and I said, I, huh. I really can't go home. You, you know, my ticket has been paid for. I'm here. I have a hotel. I said, I can't go home. So I am going to deliver this. And they, they were upset. They were really, like, angry. So it was like I never went into an environment like that before, ever, ever. No. That's so undermining. Yes. So anyway, when the time came for me to step up to the podium, uh, my legs were shaking. I will tell the truth. And as I'm walking up, I said, I cannot do my usual. I cannot do my usual dynamic, engaging, impact-creating presentation. I have to 
do something to get their attention. So as I'm walking up, it came to me. It was like a flash, really like a flash. And I got to the podium and I looked out at 800 project managers sitting there with these sour looks on their faces. And I said, I've heard that the topic of my talk, acknowledgement, does not exist in the Finnish culture. Is that true? And I swear, 800 heads nodded up and down very vigorously. <laughs> I said, that's what I was told when I got here. And I said, I've also heard that Finland has one of the highest suicide rates in the world. Is that true? And 800 heads nodded a little more slowly. And then I stepped back very dramatically and I said, do you think there might be any connection between those two factors? Oh my goodness. And the room started to buzz. I didn't think I could quiet them down. They were like talking to each other and like, you know, it was not angry talk anymore. It was something else. But I didn't know what it was until I got to a point where I said, okay, at this point we normally practice the skill of acknowledgement and I, you know, I was cringing as I said it is there anyone here I give prizes is there anyone here <laughs> who would like to acknowledge someone it doesn't have to be someone in the room anyone and I swear 400 hands shot up into the air oh my goodness and I called on one and then another and another and, and they would say things like they would stand up and they would say, I want to acknowledge my boss who is sitting here right next to me and tell him that he's the best boss I ever had and I never told him that before. I never even let him know that I appreciated him. And I'm telling him right now, and he looked at him and said, you are the best boss I ever had. And, and person, they would have spent the rest of my session acknowledging each other. And that was the talk of the conference circuit for several years at least and I was brought back to train uh, that message in a major power company in Finland and you know and so that that taught me something so valuable which is that no matter what your corporate culture is no matter how limiting it is how restrictive it is how unsafe psychologically it is you can always bring this message to it and make a huge difference. I That is just such a powerful story. And I think what that, that really speaks to is that this need for acknowledgement, both to give acknowledgement and to receive acknowledgement, is an inherent need in people. Absolutely. It's really not, it doesn't matter what society, what culture you're in, it's something that is important. And when we think about, um, and I love that you mentioned, you know, you wrote that kid's book, be, or the book about children, because I think that, that that's where a lot of times we see it. And if you if you love your kids, which I think most people who have kids do, <laughs> yes. fortunately, um, you're naturally inclined to give them the acknowledgement that they need. You know that when they're they're learning how to do things, you say, "Oh, great job!" Mm -hmm. You know, you you, you know you you just you took the training wheels off your bike, or you're learning how to how to kick the soccer ball, or you're you're learning how to play the piano. You know, even you know, great job! You're learning how to take care of yourself, and and we acknowledge and appreciate and and share um, gratitude and affirmation to kids. 
kids all the time, you know, thank you. Good job cleaning your room. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm so grateful that you did that. And then it's like, we think that that needs stops when people hit, I don't know, high school or college or something. And and actually my book is a story of children who submitted their um, acknowledgement uh, stories to me. They're either that when they felt great for getting it or when they were devastated by not getting it. So these are real stories, mm-hmm. real kids. And to me, it was such an honor. I mean, I, I actually had a four and a five-year-old girl tell me their story because their mother had read my, read my other book and she said, I got two for you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and they, they came forth like that. But you bring up an interesting point that it's uh, really a basic need and I just want to cite Stephen R. Covey from the Seven Habits mm-hmm. of Highly Effective People and I included this quote in my book. He says, next to physical survival, the greatest need of a human being is to be affirmed, to be validated, to be appreciated. Next to physical survival, can you believe that? That's second on the list of our human needs. It's, it's uh, you know, above money and safety and everything else. It's to be affirmed. And that's what my whole body of work is dedicated to. Uh-huh. I, I really love that quote. And Stephen Covey is always a always a good person to learn from. Yeah. And I really think if you look at so many problems in society around us, it's because people are not in a position to receive affirmation. Uh. And if you don't get that feedback from the world around you, I think that can lead you down some really dark paths. If you feel like you aren't appreciated, if you feel like you don't have the ability to contribute and to to kind of earn to a certain extent appreciation it's it, it's really difficult i think to have a self-esteem and to feel like you're contributing to the world absolutely and you know it's so unnecessary that people leave their jobs due to lack of appreciation i mean it's, i hear these stories time and time again and i you know it makes me upset because it's so fixable it's so easy and when I do teach people I've had many people in my courses say well what are the right words for an acknowledgement how do you deliver it I'm uncomfortable with it and so I say you start with saying I'm really uncomfortable saying this but you (laughs) I have to tell you what what a phenomenal contributor to our team and to our organization you are you know I mean start with the admission of your discomfort start with the truth the this is what authentic leadership is and I think authentic leadership is uh, a very key element to the whole grateful leadership dimension Absolutely. And I think I wonder how much of your understanding of um, of how you can just be open and vulnerable with your discomfort comes from the fact that you have experienced probably a lot of discomfort going into training environments like the story <laughs> that you shared. Right. And just being able I think a lot of people would come to a, a situation like that. And you're right, like they wouldn't they wouldn't not give the talk because you're there to give the talk. But if they got that feedback beforehand, they would have thought, you know what, I'm just going to go up there, I'm going to be a robot, I'm going to give my standard talk. And it's probably not going to mm. be great. 
right? Mm. But I will have I will have done my thing, right? Yeah. But to, to be able to say, rather than just follow a script, rather than just march along, to say, I'm going to live in this moment mm. of discomfort. I'm going to accept it. I'm going to potentially change my plan because of it. I'm going to acknowledge the discomfort. I'm going to acknowledge at the beginning of my talk, hey, you guys don't want to talk about this and I know it. I'm going to put that on the table. Um, or if, if I'm giving somebody affirmation, I say, you know what, I'm going to acknowledge this makes me a little uncomfortable. That immediately clears the slate for honesty. Yes. And instead of putting up those walls that we put up, you've really gotten to a, a real connection with somebody. That's a great observation. And, you know, you talk about kind of being in the moment. That That is something that I do bring to all of my engagements. I mean, I, I've had some pretty wild stuff occur. And, and, and then, you know, the emotion. This is not a... Um, cut and dry topic this is something people respond to with their whole beings and and some of the traumatic events i've heard about in my classes uh, you know and, and also the uh, just amazing breakthroughs that people have is uh, i i could i don't think i could ever stop doing this you know <laughs> you know people say well maybe you want to try something else or no sorry you know, th this is uh, this is my calling. I, I I believe, and you know, you know it when you uh, when you stumble upon it. Absolutely, and it's I can just hear the passion for it in your voice. Thank you. Um, now, when your your book, your newest book, or the book that we were talking about today, is called Grateful Leadership. Yes. How would you define the idea of grateful leadership? Well, it's really a very um, simple and uh, you know sensible concept it's nothing fancy it, you know it's just grateful leaders can see their people recognize their unique talents I, I you know I, one of the people I interviewed for the book uh, I had uh, uh, profiles of grateful leaders in the book and one of them Walter Robb was the uh, co-CEO of Whole Foods, Foods at the time and he said every person is someone with a unique contribution to make every single person in my company and it's my joy to discover what that is and he would get to know his people personally and you know it's not just your employees it's your vendors it's your other stakeholders your customers your suppliers you know whoever it is has the power to contribute to the well-being of your and success of your company you know your uh, website is criteria for success the, you know that that's really a key criterion just to be able to acknowledge all your stakeholders contributions and also acknowledge them for their passionate engagement hopefully your employees will have that engagement although if, if you study the Gallup numbers they're really discouraging you know over 50 well over 50 percent of people are not engaged in the work that they do you know they're nine to fivers checking their watches and and they're collecting a paycheck I believe this is a key to getting not engaged people engaged by appreciating them 
And I've had some great stories where that actually made a, a huge difference. So, you know, once they express their appreciation and people come to rely on them for their honesty and their sincerity. Now, we can never acknowledge people because we want them to work harder. And, you know, if I say some nice things, they'll, they'll contribute more. No, that's a manipulation. That is not appreciation and, and mm-hmm. true and authentic acknowledgement. So, you know, you have to be careful. It's got to be from the heart. I always say it's a heartfelt communication that lets a person know their value. Uh, I mean, so many people say they feel invisible in their jobs. That's a horrible mm-hmm. thing to feel. Horrible. And they feel invisible because they are not appreciated. Once you're shown appreciation, and let's say, you know, you have 12 traits that are uh, positive and negative, and three of them are positive. Well, if you get appreciation for the positive, then you will want to make changes and take constructive feedback from your leader to be better all throughout. So it's really very simple. And then you also want, as a grateful leader, to know your people as individuals, not just as workers. And, uh, you know, uh, every um, Whole Foods meeting has been started, whether it's, you know, two people or 200 with appre- appreciation, oh no, ended, sorry, with appreciations. And uh, they always say, is there somebody we should appreciate today? And there's always somebody. Absolutely. Yeah. I really, I love that because in some ways people hear that and they're like, oh, that's so, that's so rigid. It's so structured. It's so, um, you know, just like by the book, but, but sometimes you need to actually implement those practices because that's going to get the behavior that you need. Yes. Because there are some people who are naturally inclined, like you seem to be, to give affirmation and to, and to share gratitude. Mm -hmm. But then there are other people who are just going to forget or not notice. And so if you implement a policy that we start our meetings with this, um, you're Making sure to catch both of those types of people and everybody in between. Yes, and I have no um, hesitation to give people specific tools to encourage their, uh, you know, participation in this. You know, people who have said, "I, I really want to become better at this." So I give them a tool called the Five C's of Acknowledgement. And mm-hmm. um, we can go into that a little later if you want, but. Uh, it's just very handy, and I, I printed out. We have a beautiful little poster, and I'm uh, delighted to send them to any of your listeners if they would like to uh, send me an email request. Wonderful. Why don't you actually walk us through that now? We don't always have to go on the on the path that we might have planned okay. for the discussion, <laughs> and I think it's a, it's a great time to talk about. So, what are your five C's of acknowledgement? Okay, and this is all under the heading of Grateful Leadership. This is a tool of the Grateful Leadership body of work. So the first C is for consciousness. You must be aware of the acknowledgments and gratitude that you already have in your mind 
and that you don't bother to deliver and you have all your I don't mean you we have all our good reasons for not delivering it like I don't want to bother them you know they're too busy I'm too busy uh, I feel embarrassed you know I'll just you know I'll tell them another time late if later is a translation for never absolutely 99% of the time if you say I'll do it later you don't do it at all I, I love the five second rule uh, promoted by Mel Robbins in her book about that subject and she says you count that once you have a, an action that you th- think of taking you count backwards from five four three two to one and that then you do it you just do it whether you want to or not. And I started, I, I don't need it for acknowledgement, but I do need it for other things. So I've been, uh, I've been using that a lot. And I, I really think it's a great tool also. So consciousness is the first one. Then choice is you will always have the choice. I can't take that away from you, even though I will tell you over and over again, no is not a choice, but it is. It is. You could say I'm not going to. And I have my reasons, and they're valid reasons. So um, whatever it is, you can hopefully choose less. Once exposed to this work, your chances are so much greater because you cannot any longer deny the, the benefits of it. And then courage is the third C. And that's a critical one because people, like you were saying before, you were talking about vulnerability. It takes courage and some degree of vulnerability to deliver heartfelt and authentic acknowledgement. And like I said, if you feel, uh, you know, embarrassed or uh, shy or whatever it is that's stopping you, include that. And, you know, be vulnerable enough to include that. And I love the uh, work of Brene Brown. Uh, she, she does a magnificent TED Talk about uh, uh, the power of vulnerability. It's one of the most watched TED Talks in the world. Yeah, I love that one. And, you know, that's the courage it takes to be vulnerable. And in many cultures, that's not acceptable you know it's like acknowledgement doesn't exist in the Finnish culture or didn't till I got there <laughs> that's taking a little too much credit but anyway I know the word is still spreading and uh, you know with um, Brene Brown's work I think she's really getting through to people the power of vulnerability and then the fourth C is communication you just how many ways there are there are a zillion ways you know, it doesn't matter if it's skype or skywriting or texting or phone calls or wow in-person communications you know that that's great i may do a whole i do a whole uh talk on uh how to uh, acknowledge people on a remote team you know and we, we've got some real tools for that but that's not an excuse you know my people are in india and we're in different time zones well email crosses all continental divides you know and so do text messages so you know that's that's an easy one and the Absolutely. fifth one is commitment and this is a work in progress because 
once you witness the benefits of grateful appreciation and you just see people wake up, come alive, take more initiative, work with more commitment, passion, and profound engagement, then committing yourself to being a grateful leader is simple and necessary. But how do you make it take root in your organization so that it becomes a part of your corporate culture? And I've had people actually take that challenge on and with some amazing results. But, you know, that we always explore in our workshops and um, keynote engagements, how can we do this? How can we gain commitment? And in my classes, I have people do something called peer coaching. At the end of the session, they find a, a, a partner, a peer in the course, and it doesn't matter if they're from a lot of different companies or the same company, and they mm-hmm. make a date to get together a month from now, the end of the quarter, and the next quarter, and they are tracking the you know the progress that they're making in making this uh, grateful leadership initiative real so that's just one tool i mean i have people uh who who post the grateful leadership uh poster in their offices on their doors somebody shrank it down and puts it on her laptop so every time she walks over to her laptop she said who have i acknowledged today you know who or who who can i acknowledge today Mm-hmm. One of our members, we have a whole center for grateful leadership, and one of our members, um, Susan Parente, launched a 30-day gratitude challenge where we took on the, uh, you know, the challenge of making sure we express gratitude every single day to somebody in a heartfelt way. So it's you know there are many ways to do it but those are the five c's and that's been a really successful sort of cheat sheet (laughs) for for keeping this work going absolutely i really love all the different ideas that you shared of of different ways to do it because i think it's really important to have these principles right the principle of communication the principle of consciousness Mm -hmm. of of even courage, but then giving people flexibility within that, figure out what works for you. There are some people who are going to be all about verbal communication. Uh There are some people who are going to maybe give gifts. There are some people who are going to want to do everything in team meetings and some people who want to do it all one-on-one and finding what works for you and what works for your people. You can't just always go with what you're comfortable with if it makes everybody else around you uncomfortable, Um, but just figuring out the, the plan for yourself. Wonderful. That that's a great observation. It is a two-sided exchange, and uh, some people would rather you fire them than acknowledge them publicly. <laughs> Others would give anything to be acknowledged for the whole in front of the whole group. So you know, you can find out in casual ways, and sometimes by making a mistake. I always say, take the risk. If the if the desire to acknowledge someone is there, don't worry about the circumstances. I, I mean, I'll give you one example. Uh, I was giving um, a keynote address at a, a conference that had about 1,200 people. And when I was about half an hour into my presentation, one woman jumped out of her seat 
and ran up on the stage and she said, I just have to give you a hug. She said, this is such a great <laughs> talk. She gave me a hug and she went back down and that was the end of it. <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of laughter, but I'm sure some people were annoyed by it. I, I loved it. I thought it was just great. <laughs> Yeah, and and you know what? If, even if you hadn't loved it, I think you you are um, gracious enough to find the spirit of what <laughs> yes. she meant. And uh, I think a lot of times it's just I think we need to give people the benefit of the doubt, and we need to remember that there are people around us. If we're good, if we're a good person, uh, people are probably giving us the benefit of the doubt. And so if you're a leader and you acknowledge somebody in public and they seemed a little embarrassed about it, well, they probably know what you meant. And, you know, if you feel the need to have a one-on-one conversation with them later, say, sorry, it looked like you were a little embarrassed. I apologize for that. In future, I'll try to, I'll try to acknowledge you in private instead. You can do that, but you probably don't even have to have that conversation if you, if you're afraid to do that Um, or uncomfortable with it. People, people see the heart behind what you're doing. Yes. That's a great observation. I agree. All right. Now I want to, I want to transition a little bit to, um, to a negative or a slightly more negative topic, but I think it's important to talk about this. If, if you have any examples, what are mistakes that you see leaders making when it comes to showing gratitude? Well, okay. One kind of dramatic one that occurred when I did a, a two day workshop at a major cancer, uh, treatment and research facility was, it was a two day course and people were just so enthused about it. They were so excited and they formed a committee to see how they could get grateful leadership to all 28,000 employees. It was a huge operation. And I was so excited by that. I stayed for their meeting. And and one of the points they put on their agenda was to make sure that from now on, they were going to include something in the performance review about how many people did you acknowledge in a week? And I oh said, don't do that. You can make, you please, please don't do that. That would be a terrible mistake because if your performance evaluation and therefore your raise or no raise is determined by the number of people you're going to acknowledge, you can bet that it will not be sincere and heartfelt. So they, they laughed, they got it, and they struck that off the list. But that, you know, it can never be mandated. That is a big, big, big mistake. And um, I I mean, other mistakes, I'm not sure I I would call them mistakes, maybe stumblings where, like you were saying before, in a setting where the other person doesn't feel so comfortable. Um, But I I believe you can't make a mistake 90% of the time, 98% of the time by giving an acknowledgement that is heartfelt and authentic. Those are the two qualifications. And I wish people wouldn't worry so much about making a mistake. They're not going to. Yeah. So to me, it sounds like the, the biggest mistake people make is not doing it. Yes, that's, that's brilliant. That is it. And, you, you know, we all have our concerns. Uh, you know, even I, you know, I've been called the uh, uh, acknowledgement queen, but you know, occasionally I have to catch myself because I I walk past an opportunity. Like, uh, do you want an example of that? Uh, it, absolutely, if you're comfortable sharing it. Yeah, yeah. It was um, some years back. I was uh, rushing to catch a flight to one of these engagements, and uh, as usual, I was 
almost late. <laughs> that's that's my way. I have, I have not completely eliminated that negative behavior from my uh, personality profile. But anyway, so I I had my boarding pass and I went up to the uh, security agent and he looks at me. He looks at my boarding pass. He looks at my driver's license. He, he gives me a big smile and he said, well, this just isn't you. I said, what do you mean it's not me? He said, well, take a look at the name on your boarding pass. It was a totally different name. Oh and it was from another country. I mean, I, I, I was shocked. Did I look at my boarding pass? No. And he said, um, you're going to need to step out of line and go get a different boarding pass. I said, I'll miss my flight. He said, no, you won't. I promise you, you're not going to miss your flight. You'll come right back here when you're done. You don't have to wait on line again. I said, oh, okay. So I went and I got my boarding pass, the real one. And uh, I, I went back to security. He let me in right immediately. He looked at it. He looked at me, gave me a big smile. He said, this is you. Welcome. <laughs> and uh, I said, thank you. And, and I went through security, through, you know, uh, through the check-in. And when I got to the other side, I saw I actually had a few minutes to spare. And I, I uh, he was, you know, far away from me by then. But I said, I never really acknowledged him for his kindness, his courtesy, his uh, smiles. I never did that. So I said, I, I've got to, I've got to fix that. So I, I went to, um, you know, where I had checked in, and I said, Is there any kind of a, a form I can fill out to uh, show my appreciation for one of your uh, TSA agents? And they said. Gee, no, all we have is a complaint form. <laughs> I said, well, give it to me. I'll cross it out and I'll write compliment, which I did. And then I told him I, I had seen his name and it was uh, Richard Brown. And I, I said, uh, I need to acknowledge his behavior toward me, even when a problem showed up and he could have gotten suspicious and nasty and mean, but he was so kind and so caring that I just did it and got back and I made my, uh, I'm going to make my flight. So I wrote all that and I said, and here's my email address. If you want to just let me know that you have acknowledged him, whoever you are for, you know, his kindness and, um, you know, courtesy. So anyway, that was the end of that. And I thought, well, because very often when I do something like that, I never hear. But uh, about a week later, I got an email and it was from the supervisor of the TSA agents there. It was at LaGuardia Airport. And he said, he wrote to me and he said, in my 28 years here at LaGuardia, I have never received an acknowledgement of the behavior of an agent ever. And I went, oh my gosh, that can't be true. And, and he said, and in fact, we're having a meeting of all 200 agents, I think it was at the time, um, next week. And I'm going to call him forth and publicly acknowledge him for his behavior with a passenger. And I said, oh my gosh, I've died and gone to heaven. <laughs> and uh, so I was so thrilled with that. And then about another week later, I get an email from Richard S. Brown. 
and he said, you won't believe this. I'm the agent that checked you in when you weren't you. He said, I just came from our meeting uh, with all the agents, and I was publicly praised and acknowledged for my service to you and held up as a standard of how to behave with customers and passengers. And, and he said, I'm walking on air. Those were his exact words. I'm walking on air and I can't write anymore because I have to go tell my 90-year-old mother. She'll be so proud of me. <laughs> so, so, you know, that was something I almost didn't do. Yeah, because it took a little extra time, and I, you know, I was, I could have let it go. I would have let it go, but my conscience, you know, as the queen of acknowledgement, <laughs> I'm not allowed, you know, and so um, that was really such a gratifying moment because we never know, Elizabeth, the difference we're going to make with a simple acknowledgement. Absolutely, it took me five minutes to write, if that. Yeah, and I I really love that you acknowledge that you you didn't jump on the first opportunity. And right. that first opportunity would have actually been easier because you could have just shared a verbal acknowledgement with him in that situation. And so because you missed out on that first opportunity because you didn't jump on it, it, it actually did cause a little bit more work later on. But it still wasn't an overwhelming amount of work. And I think a lot of times we think, oh, I missed that first opportunity, it's gone. And it's not. And you can still no. jump in. And actually, because you did the more complex thing later, it had a bigger impact. Because if you had shared a one-on-one -on -one verbal interaction, his manager wouldn't have seen it. He wouldn't have got acknowledgement uh, through the people around him. He could have maybe gone home to his mom or called his grandma and said, you know, <laughs> um, uh, I had a customer tell me thank you today and it was wonderful. But he probably honestly wouldn't have done that. But right. because even though you missed that first opportunity, you you took a little bit more effort and did a, a different level of acknowledgement later on, it actually had a bigger impact than that first chance. Yes, and I, I have to say that I have found that going to the next level and letting the person know that I'm doing that is a very powerful way to make that pre praise real in the world. And so, you know, I even though I missed it, you know, just a one-on-one -on -one verbal acknowledgement, even while giving it, I might have said to him, who's your supervisor? I want to let them know also. Absolutely. So I think I would have done that. I you know, can't say for sure, but, um, you know, you're right. It was circumstance and all that that created the most powerful, uh, you know, implementation of the power of acknowledgement there could could be. You know, that was just brilliant. Absolutely, I think that is an important thing to to note. Though, um, you know, you mentioned in passing, if somebody's in a service position and you want to give them acknowledgement, and you have time, and and it, it seems like it would be okay to do it, and I think we're we're saying lean toward doing this than not. Yes. Um, oh yes. Say, you know, I I just want to acknowledge you have been incredibly helpful. Could you call your manager over if they're available so I can share this with them as well? And you think yes. of how often an irate customer is going to say, I'm really frustrated, call your manager over here. I want to talk to them. So to have them call their manager over for a good thing is probably going to be such a such a blessing to them. It's something oh, that they're really yes. going to notice and appreciate. Absolutely. And it's really, you know, I reduce 
everything related to this initiative to one word, easy. It really is easy. Even if we stumble a little, even if we're embarrassed, even if we're shy, even if we're this, you know, it re- when you start doing it, you will see how easy it is to make a huge and positive impact in somebody's life. And you never know the difference you have made unless in this situation I got feedback from this boss and from him. That was, you know, a, a real gift to me. But I felt I did the right thing. And I'll I'll never forget, I was leading a a webinar with close to 500 people on it uh, a while back. And a huge company, one company. And uh, toward the end of my presentation, somebody said, I'd like the instructor to know that she made a mistake with one of her slides. But I always welcome that as a challenge because, you know, if there's something I need to know or I misstated it or I'm happy to incorporate my students' teachings in my classes and I have time and time again. So I said, oh, this instructor would love to know what it is that she got wrong. And so she said, well, there was a slide where you said, you know, all the benefits of acknowledgement. And those were good. But then you said it um, changes the world one person at a time. And that's incorrect. I said, oh, tell me more. She said, it's two people. Because the giver gets as much from giving the acknowledgement as the recipient gets from receiving it. And I said, wow. Because I always believed that but I didn't put it out there so clearly. Yeah. And I said, you know what? You have permanently changed my work. I am now going to put two people at a time in all my presentations, and thank you for that contribution. Uh, it, it's so true. Absolutely. That's something that um, I just uh, am finalizing an ebook about uh, about the power of gratitude and leadership. And I wrote the entire first chapter on the benefits of leadership or of gratitude. And mm-hmm. literally, by sharing gratitude, it makes you healthier mentally and emotionally. It improves yes. the relationships that you have around oh, yeah. you. Um, it, it actually impacts your physical health. It is it is just really amazing the power of gratitude to the person sharing it, not just the person receiving it. I, yes. I still want us to focus on the people receiving it because I think that it needs to be authentic. You can't just say, okay, I'm going to be more grateful so it'll improve my heart health. I mean, that's, that's a little <laughs> place. Let me take a vitamin. But, um, but if you really care about people and you want to be a better leader, you want to be a better manager, um, you want to, to to improve the culture within your team, it will also cause benefits to you in addition to yes. uh, the people that you're that you're sharing it with. Definitely, definitely. All right. So we have a couple of kind of standard questions we like to ask toward the end of an episode um, to make sure we're adding value to our listeners. So one of my favorites is what are some books that you might recommend to our listeners, either kind of general, you know, businessy books, or if you have anything specific to gratitude or, or, uh, you know, philosophically aligned with what we've been talking about today, I think that would be wonderful as well. Yes, sure. And thank you for that opportunity. Uh, I found myself uh, co- uh, keynoting on a, a program some years back with uh, 
a lovely presenter named Richard Sheraton, who's the co-founder and CEO of Menlo Innovations, a software company. And he was speaking about, I mean, it's like, I, I think I went first and he went second. And I think the, the whole room lifted itself off the floor after the two, because his book is called Joy, Inc., How We Built a Workplace People Love. Love <laughs> and, that. And, and like just one quote from the book, he says, um, at Menlo, we have eliminated unproductive, joyless meetings from our process. We have replaced rules, bureaucracy, and hierarchy with predictable rituals, ceremonies, and storytelling events. And, you know, he uh, was somebody I've profiled as a grateful leader also because he is that he's uh, the embodiment of it and he's written a couple of books on this joy chief joy officer was another one so the, the you know joy who would think of having a joy officer in your company <laughs> Don't you love i absolutely do and uh, i think that there are so many workplaces that would just benefit from literally having somebody passionate about joy and creating joy uh-huh. and also given the the room to implement things because a lot of times we'll tell somebody uh, and so often this is somebody in HR or an office manager or something like that. You say, okay, you're responsible for improving the culture in our office. You have no authority. You have no um, ability to tell people to change anything, but you know, throw some holiday parties. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, that's uh, it's a sad truth, but uh, you know, if we focus on these newer leadership initiatives, grateful leadership, uh, joy, servant leadership, you know, that's uh, people are always asking me how grateful leadership and servant leadership uh, fit together, complement mm-hmm. each other, and uh, I was so pleased because I had. Um, uh, spoken to the um, uh, official biographer of Robert Greenleaf, the founder of Servant Leadership, and uh, he read my book and he, he just gave me a beautiful quote. It's on the homepage of my website, which is uh, grateful uh, gratefulleadership.com. And he says that if uh, Robert Greenleaf had been alive today, he would have said you need to be a grateful leader in order to be a servant leader. So, you know, I, I love the way those two complement each other. And uh, it's, uh, you know, you serve. When you're a grateful leader, you want to serve others and make sure that they rise to their highest level of self-actualization as well as performance. The two kind of go hand in hand. Absolutely. I I studied servant leadership um, in college. That was a a key philosophy of the management program I was within. And it is such an incredibly powerful concept. And you're right. If if you, if if any of our listeners um, have heard the idea of servant leadership, which which hopefully you have by now, it's been around for a while, and you want to think of a specific way that you can implement it, I think really look at how you're, how you're, um, how you're expressing gratitude. And if you're not, mm. you're not really being a servant leader um, to the fullest extent uh. that you could be, because it is a really key component in that concept of servant leadership. That's very well said. And uh, I think that uh, the two fit together so nicely. In fact, one of the members of our uh Center for Grateful Leadership, the global community that we have to, you know, to 
help uh, make this work more present in people's careers. Uh, coined a phrase, the grateful servant leader. And she's actually done some presentations on that. And I, I think it's, um, they do go hand in hand. And then one other book I wanted to um, also highlight is called The Fearless Organization. Creating Psychological Safety in the Workplace for Learning, Innovation, and Growth. It's by Amy Edmondson at Harvard Business School. And she was the one who coined the phrase psychological safety. And I firmly believe that uh, without psychological safety, you can't have any of the positive qualities like innovation and, uh, you know, real achievement and, uh, you know, true leadership. So psychological safety is making it safe for people to experiment and fail, to try something new. And you're, uh, I mean, in our company, our CEO says, we celebrate our mistakes. Why? Because we learn from them and we, uh, can better ourselves and our company because of that. So it's, you know, it, it's a very critical um, concept and, and yet people don't get it. And, and, and part of the uh, power of grateful leadership is that as a grateful leader, you create an environment that's truly safe for people to show up, to be who they are. And, uh, you know, she talks about how, Praising is it's very important in these kinds of environments. She, you know, she doesn't call it grateful leadership, but praising and, and appreciation, um, making sure that people throughout the organization respond productively and positively to their colleagues. So those are um, two books that I, I would highly recommend. Absolutely. That, that whole grateful leadership, of course. <laughs> definitely. Definitely your own, all of your books. Um, yes. but definitely that idea of psychological safety. You know, if you're in an environment where, for example, if you ask for feedback, nobody gives feedback, or it's very kind of quiet, positive feedback, yes. or if, if people are uncomfortable um, sharing and being open, you're going to have reduced creativity. You're going to have reduced um, just activity in general, because people are just going to want to trod the same paths and just kind of march down um, what's been done before because they're afraid to move outside those lines. And if, yeah. if they make any mistake, they're going to get slapped for it. And so yeah. it's it's really when you create that environment of, you know what, we're, we're open to innovation, we're open to creativity. And you know what, sometimes it's going to fail and that's okay. Yeah. And, and people feel that inherently and deeply, you're going to get better results. So absolutely incredibly important. All right. Um, we are always focused on providing actionable uh, advice that uh, that our listeners can take. I know you already shared your five C's of, of acknowledgement. And so that might be it. But do you have any other specific actionable tips that our listeners could apply today? Yeah, I would just say, incorporate this uh, um, value, this process into your meetings and into your teams and say, you know, that's why I, I, I give the poster to anyone and everyone that wants it because the poster of the five C's is a good starting point and it helps people see the value and the ease of doing this and making a huge difference to their team members. And, um, 
you know, I mean, even when it comes to working with challenging people, you know, I have, uh, if you can find something unique about them, I mean, I, I had one woman write to me how she had read the book and there was a team member that nobody wanted to be on the same team with. They just, you know, they actually backed out of being on the team, but they were obligated. And she said, I've got to find what Judy's talking about for this guy. He's so negative all the time. And she said, I'm going to look. I'm going to see what it is. So at the next meeting, when he started making one of his very negative pronouncements, she said, please tell us what you see. Maybe it's something we don't see. Mm -hmm. He looked at her like in shock, like no one ever let him talk before. (laughs) And he finally named a risk to their project that no one had thought of. No one. Oh, wow. And she said that was really important. That was an amazing contribution. And then at the next meeting, he said another like, very negative, said, this is never going to work. It just can't work. She said, what do you see? And he said it. And again, it was brilliant. And so at the end of the project, his image had totally transformed. And, you know, he said to her, he went up to her at the end, and he said, you know, you are the first person who ever wanted to hear what I wanted to say. And you can't imagine how that's changed my life. And it had changed his life because everybody wanted to be on his team after that. Absolutely. And I I really want to just point out the key here is you have somebody who's maybe got a negative reputation and and has some poor behaviors and so often as a leader all you do is point out the negatives but if instead you can take that step of first of all soliciting like trying to understand why it is and then acknowledging the value of what he's doing even though the way he's doing it is not right. right. Then you can later have a conversation with him because you've created a relationship to say, you know what, what I've discovered in the last few meetings that I've been on with you or over the course of this project is you have a great eye for noticing weaknesses that nobody else sees. What I think sometimes happens though, is the tone that you're sharing doesn't allow people to discover the value yeah. of that because of the tone. And so if if you can um, if you can figure out different strategies and I'm happy to work with you or role practice or something else, sure. I think you could you could be more valuable. And only because you're acknowledging him throughout the process, That's even perfect. have the space to have that conversation. And I think there are a lot of people like that who who don't realize that they're coming off like a bomb <laughs> to, to everybody. <laughs> and yet what they're saying is really important if people only um, you know, if they could only communicate it in a more effective way. And I have to say, she did come back to him at the end. She said, I realized after a short time of hearing your contributions that you are a brilliant failure analyst. Yes. <laughs> and she coined that phrase and like <laughs> everybody wanted to have a failure analyst on their team after that because, you know, they didn't see the risks and he did. So, he, you know, it was just amazing. So that's what I mean. Look for the unique contribution of every single person on your team. I mean, if somebody's doing damage and harming the reputation of the company, then you want to show them the door. But otherwise, there's got to be some redeeming 
value to their existence. Definitely. I have to say, I probably feel a little defensive of this because I, I can be that failure analyst. And a lot of times I see, you know, that point of failure or the, the weakness. And I have had to work really hard over the course of my career to figure out how do I communicate that in a way that it's not so insulting to people that they don't hear, you know, you're terrible and awful. But there are a lot of people out there. And I think it is a significant, valuable contribution that they can make and something that you should be able to acknowledge them for is pointing yes. out those, those blind spots. But, oh, you know, if you're like that, just consider Consider the tone and consider, um, you know, does it seem like you're coming in at the end and saying everything you've done is terrible? Or are you yeah. a few key points of feedback that people could then address and rework? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, I have really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to be here. I think our listeners are going to really appreciate it. Great. And I just want to... Um let your listeners know if it's okay how they can join our global community definitely i was going to say if you want people to learn more about you your work and, and joining that community where should they go okay they should go to www.gratefulleadership.com and uh when they uh open it up they'll see join and as one of our members has said uh, membership is free and for now it's priceless you know so free but priceless is a wonderful combination and uh, we invite all of your members to come we have monthly webinars and uh, we have weekly podcasts by one of our members the art of grateful leadership he's done uh, over a hundred of them you know it's just, just amazing contributions by our members and they're in all industries and um you know, I, I know we uh, the topic of this uh, podcast is really let's talk sales, and we haven't specifically talked sales, but as you can be sure, this applies to every uh, industry and every um, you know dimension of every industry. So sales, you know, your your sales professionals get discouraged; they get tired of hearing the rejection. You know, and I just wanted to say that letting them know how much you appreciate their efforts when you see the good efforts that they're making mm -hmm. is a critical uh, thing for them to hear. You know, it's so easy to deflate as a sales professional. Absolutely. We see a lot of times that managers have been trained to focus on KPIs. And certainly yeah. you should do that. And if you've got people who are not hitting results, um, you know, you need to be real about that and have good conversations. But if they're doing a lot of the right things and they're, they're showing up at work and they seem to be um, trying really hard and they have a good attitude, make sure even if you're having those real conversations about the negatives that you also are, are pairing that with, but I, I'm noticing, you know, you seem to be doing the great things. Keep up the good work. You know, I'm happy to work with you. I'm happy to troubleshoot and figure out what's going wrong. Um, you know, you don't want to just come in with the negatives because they're getting the negatives. They see it in their paycheck. Um, they're not oblivious. Exactly. Exactly. All right. I just didn't want to let this go by without saying it applies to your industry specifically as well. Absolutely. Thank you for doing that, Judy. Um, yeah, You're I, welcome. I, you know, we're talking to, to salespeople, sales leaders, and, and all kinds of others as well. Um, and sometimes we put that really strong sales spin on it, and sometimes we don't. But regardless, I think that this is a valuable conversation. Hopefully people have learned as much as I did in talking to you. So uh -huh. thank you. Thank you. That's, and you really have a great grasp of 
gratitude and that makes it a lot easier for me to talk so uh, freely and effortlessly with you i appreciate that all right well thank you judy and thank you to all of our listeners for tuning into today's show you can find the notes and resources for what we've been talking about at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 203 Make sure you tune in next week. I'll be talking to Michael Moon. He is the founder and game master at Gratitude Games. He's got some really interesting ideas. Um, In the meantime, check out this Friday's inspirational episode where Laura is sharing a great quote that is sure to inspire you. As a reminder, if you have any feedback for us or topics or questions you want us to address, you can reach us at podcast at criteriaforsuccess.com. If you're enjoying the show, please recommend us to a friend and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. While you're there, if you could please leave us a rating or a review, that'll help more people find the show and it lets us know what's working and where to improve. It would be a way to acknowledge us. (laughs) And remember to follow us on Twitter at let's underscore talk underscore sales. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by Ariana Miskell, Laura Marchoff, and me, Elizabeth Frederick. Happy selling!